Virtual Manager presents the How Did We Get Here podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the How Did We Get Here podcast. In this edition, Chairman of Virtual Manager Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham, CEO Tony Morocco and I continue our conversation with the former Ashes winning England cricket captain Michael Vaughan. Previously, Michael talked about his business interests and investments, his philosophies within that arena, dealing with maverick characters and his newest venture, Declaration Drinks. In part two, he explains how the skills he learned within the sporting arena transfers to business, the vital role social media plays in his working life, and the difficulties bridging the gap between one career and the next. But inside your team, I think it's so important that some inside know who you are, so they know when you're struggling. It's impossible for a leader not to struggle or have those negative times or low moments. It's just the nature of being a human being. Uh, And the more you can get good people around you who who might take some of the pressure off you at times that you know you need it. Most leaders work too hard and they they can't let go. It's part two of our interview with Michael Vaughan. I'm Charles Dagnall and this is the 22nd edition of the How Did We Get Here podcast. So welcome along to the How Did We Get Here podcast. Now, when we left the first part of the Michael Vaughan interview, he was leaving gifts for the Amazon delivery man after receiving so many parcels during lockdown. Virtual Manager Chairman Anil Patel leads the next section. I um, wanted to ask a question around, obviously, being in sporting teams, you have a lot of control about what you were doing and obviously being captain, you have a lot of uh, influence about what's going on. How did you find that transition into business when you weren't, I guess, necessarily involved in everything? So I guess just talking about ourselves a bit, I think all of us, all three of us have struggled a little bit now that we were so involved in the business. Neil and I were in America every two months. We could have these meetings. Tony and me were all face-to-face. Now feels like I'm a bit of a Southgate on the side. I can't really get involved. and I'm really struggling with that at the moment. So I'd be really interested in your perspective. That's difficult. Um, I do encourage people to make decisions, and I did in the team, but ultimately you know, those decisions had, had, had to come through me. Always open to all the players and the staff. Look, what have you got? What have you got for us? You know, I think one of the most important aspects I, I find in, in any team or any management role, leadership role, is that you've got to understand that you've got to look after yourself as well. You know, leaders are only human beings. They're nothing more. And I think sometimes because you're leading, you can put on this front of being powerful. You can put on this front of being ultra positive all the time, that you have no negativity because you're the leader. You can't show your team members, that you've got any kind of fragility. And I think it's important within in teams, particularly the leader of the team, that I call it, you need your, you need your little group inside the group that knows you. So you need to manage every single person, but you need a few in your group who actually know who you are. Uh, I, I don't think all the teams should know exactly who you are. I think that there needs to be that little bit of a, an edge. You know, if you're going to ultimately lead, I, th- I think leaders still need that element of humanity but also that element of fear that they can put on on the team or on the on the people that they're managing 
But inside your team, I think it's so important that some inside know who you are. So they know when you're struggling. It's impossible for a leader not to struggle or have those mm-hmm. negative times or low moments. It's just the nature of being a human being. Uh, and the more you can get good people around you who, who might take some of the pressure off you at times that you know you need it. Most leaders work too hard and they, ca- they can't let go. Have you had low moments in business? Yeah, yeah in, in life. I have them all the time. I mean, I, that's why I say that in a week, I think there's loads of negativity comes into our lives. It could be something wrong with the kids. It could be, you know, your missus annoying you. You might have had an argument. It's just the nature. People who, who don't have that are lying. That is just having a normal life. It's, just, it's what we're about. So, yeah, load, loads of low moments. Loads of, as I said, I've made loads of decisions that are wrong. You know, made loads of mistakes. You know, lost loads of money at times. It, it's just... But that doesn't worry me in time. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not my be all and end all. It's. It's, it's more um, having that mindset of knowing how to manage yourself. And now at the age of forty six, I, I kind of know when I'm going through that period when working too hard or taking too much on. I just step back. I'm very good now at realizing that the week or the month or the few months, it just gets too much, too much, too much is happening. You go, you know, I've got to step back. I've got to take a week away, got to get out of the system of, of all this kind of uh, decision-making process and just allow the people to take it over for a while. We all have egos. Those that say that you don't have an ego, you're lying. Everyone has an ego. But it's about managing that that ego inside us that can can sit or be put to a side for a period of time. Just to, to you know, I think it's important. that I always used to say in the team about the egg timer, you know, the little the sand in the, the egg timer, you turn it over. And if you don't keep turning it back over you know, you're knackered. And that's the same in our life. If you allow that egg time to go all the way through, you're just going to be flat. You can't come back from it. So it's just finding ways personally to, to make sure that you stay normal and, and, and stay as, as active as you possibly can. Fitness and health is a big one for me. Mm. You know, getting on a Peloton or going to a gym regular helps me out. I'm not saying that everyone would be the same. It could be something different for other people. It might be playing like Charlie on his, on his guitar, thinking he's... Uh, Something quite special. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a rock star homework. in my own mind. Yeah, exactly. But that works for him. That's fine. But you know, I just think it's it's over time you find out what works for you. And ultimately, it, again, I think in in, in life you you've got to eventually ask yourself the question: what, what do you want out of life? What is it you want? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, is it that you want twenty four seven complete obsessive mentality? To, to work all the time, which drives you away from social life? Uh, is it that you want a complete social life and you kind of forget about your work? Probably that's not going to work. Or is it that you just want a normal life, that you work a bit, you socialize a bit, you get away from it a little bit? I think it's it's just being honest to yourself what, what, what you want to try and achieve in life. Just going back to another aspect of business or your business, you are prominent on social media both mm. on Twitter and on Instagram. You mentioned about social media uh, with LinkedIn. And, and, and you have a big following. Has that helped with your various business interests? And if so, in what way? Well, first of all, social media is free advertising. You know, I, I've been able to, I don't, know, I don't know how I've got so many followers. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why they want to follow me, to be honest, but uh, they do. Um, so I use it in a way to, to promote, you know, brands or opportunities, the most important aspect for me in social media is uh, people probably follow me because they know it's me. 
You know, I think some social media channels, mm. you can see that the management of, of that person is taken over the social media. And that, that, I get it. I get it with young sports people in particular because, you know, we, we're still going, going through a process of this online abuse, which is, which is disgraceful. It's, it's something that I just can't get my, my head around that we've not sorted that out still. We've not sorted the aspect of having a, a verification of an account. I just, I can't understand why Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever it may be, you know, if someone racially abuses someone on social media, surely straight away you can get to that person's phone who sent that message and expose them. Yeah. Mm. That's simple, just mm. expose them. P- put them all on the front pages of the paper, see how they like it. They're known. Yeah. yeah. They're known for the wrong reason, but you know what? We'll see who you are. And everything for the last few years has all been a bit hidden, like it's kind of all brushed over, brushed over. Maybe what's happened with the football and the abuse, the free. Uh, young lads have taken maybe that'll be the trigger that finally we can get to the bottom of it but um social media is great you know i think it's a great tool i think it's a a great opportunity for people to have their opinion unfortunately i think this world that we're in now people don't like opinion which is sad you know it's for me free speech you should be able to have an opinion it's not that you're always wrong it's that it's your opinion and someone might agree with you someone might disagree just because they disagree doesn't mean that they should be abusing you Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be that. It should be like, look, I just don't agree with your opinion. So fine, you know, do one then. It's not not a problem. You know, I just think we're, we we've got to be careful that we we're almost trying to create this pure, perfect society. You know, I think we've got to be careful that you know a little bit of a bit of edge in in life is always quite quite handy. I think we need a bit of that. Uh, we can't get everyone singing from the same hymn sheet again. I think that'd be boring. But social media used correctly is brilliant it really is it's a great tool for all businesses in, in my view to to give over their ways uh, what they're about uh, what they stand for again i think there are a few brands that i i kind of look at and i think they're lying i think they're trying to portray that they are this perfect brand oh, it's a crap you can't be <laughs> um you know i just think people like real you know i don't know what it's like over i just think real is is right you know people like that normal person you know that normal person just does everyday things normally and gets on with life has a bit of fun i just hope we, we, we can still have humor you know i i think humor yeah. seems to be going out of our world like people that are genuinely mm-hmm. funny you know and they say things that make you really laugh but they now don't say things because it might be it might be geared that they're you know they're having a pop at x or y oh, come we're yeah. out a bit of humor the element yeah. of smiling and laughing um i know it's been hard the last 18 months in particular but Please bring it back somehow. <laughs> You're listening to the How Did We Get Here podcast, the story of virtual manager with Chairman Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham, CEO Tony Morocco and host Charles Dagnall. Uh, Michael, it's great to have you on. Your story's awesome. Uh, I can relate a lot to it. We talked a little bit about a low point before. I, I, I came from an athletic family. My dad was a basketball coach. He just retired for 44 years. I grew up in the, in the business. And when I kind of transitioned out of college, it just stopped for me, right? I lost some of the competitive juices that I had in life, what I was, my identity. So I was just curious, your transition. I know we talked a little bit about your transition to business, but when it stopped for you, was there a period of, what am I going to do? Did you trans- transition right into broadcasting? Mm-hmm. That's one question. And two, your businesses now, do they give you that competitive juices 
that you used to have because I'm sure you competed on such a high level. Your intensity, your adrenaline, does that do that for you? Yeah, good questions. Um, yeah, I had a massive void, huge void. So I retired from cricket in nine, 2009, uh, and I reckon it wasn't really till around 2013, 14 that I, I realized what I, I was going to try and do. Something about four years. I, I, I didn't know I was going to go into broadcasting. Business opportunities back then, uh, I didn't have as many as I do now. Uh, I didn't know enough about a lot of things to kind of get involved in them. When you finish sport, it's scary because you've always had a protection network around you in sport. You know, your teammates, the management, everything's done for you. You know, your schedule's in front of you because your fix your list is what you are doing. Whereas when that stops, you've got no idea what your month's going to look like, your year's going to look like. You're not too sure what opportunities <laughs> could come your way. And the best advice I, I, I give any sports person or, I guess, a person that's going through changes Particularly in sport, you've got to accept that it's going to come to an end. You know, when you start, you've got to accept it's going to end. And the sooner you realise that, so if I was a young sports person now starting out as an 18-year-old, I would be advising them now to get themselves hobbies, uh, interests away from playing cricket or football or rugby, whatever, it, basketball, because it will finish. And the more more opportunities you can create and the more interest uh, away from what you're doing, your day-to-day -day pressure zone of producing that skill, for one, it'll help you when you're playing because you won't be so stressed about doing one thing all your life. You know, you will play and then you'll be able to get away and play the guitar, whatever it may be, you know, just get away from it. Play golf, uh, get involved in businesses, um, ask questions, create opportunities. And cricket is a, is a game where there's a lot of downtime. It's quite a boring game, cricket. It goes on quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and over four days, realistically, if you're out the two, you know, four days, two days, you're on it, so you're actually involved in the game for two days, it's a lot. And there's a lot of those four day games that I look back at when I was younger, where you're just sitting there all day just watching your teammates bat. You know, you're out for naught or one. You know, I'd advise young sports people now and cricketers use that day wisely. You know, is there something in that day that you could, yeah, watch the game, but could you be reading on something? Could you be studying? Could you be doing something that could further your your skill set for, for that day when it comes where? It might be when you're 25, 35, 40. It doesn't matter when it is. It will be that day. And it doesn't matter how much money you've got. You know, that void, is a, it, it, it's, it's a void that you, you need filling. You know, and by filling it, it'll be because you've got other opportunities, you've got other interests. You know, those that finish sport and then, they think the phone's going to ring. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, you can be the greatest player of all time. After a month, no one's ringing you. I'll guarantee it. Because mm. mm. you've moved on. Yeah. You're out of the dressing room. No one cares about you. You know, there's another team member. There's another team. There's another junior that's taken your place. Mm. You know, the fans have got someone else to sing about. They don't care yeah. about you. You know, and that's probably the hardest thing for sports people to, to kind of get used to is that the phone will not ring. You've got to make that phone ring by being active, getting out there, Create an opportunity for yourself. Don't feel sorry for yourself. And I don't care who you are. If you've had a chance to play sport, and even if you've only played sport for three or four years, you've been lucky. You've been lucky yeah. because you've actually been paid to, to produce your hobby. Mm -hmm. And that's all you're doing. You're extending what was a hobby from the age of 10 to 16 to suddenly you're getting paid to, to produce your hobby. And if you've done it for four years, five years, if you've done it for 20 years, you're very, very good and you're very lucky. But... And I can't, and, and, and I think some ex-sports people think I'm being harsh when I say, I don't feel sorry for any sports person. 
and I never can because we are so lucky to do what we've done. Yeah. So lucky to have that chance to go out and, and, and be paid to, to play a game. And do you know what? Sometimes it just doesn't work out. It doesn't work out for people. It's horrible when I see sports people retire through injury. That's the worst, you know, because they, they've been very unfortunate. But those that have retired or been moved because they haven't performed, ultimately they just weren't good enough. They weren't good enough to do it. And that, that's, that's not being, you know, ultimately harsh. It's just reality. But don't, yeah. don't use that four or five years of it not working and then be negative when you're finished or bitter about your, your lack of opportunity. Just get on with your life. You've got to create a, a real positivity. All right, I've had five years playing. Oh, five years playing cricket. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Now, yeah. now what am I? Now what am I going to do? But don't use your early time. You know, we've all had that. You know, when you're 18, you think that you're going to be 18 forever. I still think <laughs> I am, but um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, the, the more I think there's more advice these days uh, for young sports people. But uh, no, I did have a, a massive void. But I, I, through trial and error and opportunity and working hard I mean that's the one thing Tony I'll, I'll say to anybody that it doesn't matter who you are you've got to work hard you know everything takes hard work it takes training your new skills you know, whatever that new skill is going to be whether it's a bit of business whether it's uh, you know going into broadcast being a broadcaster doesn't just happen you know it doesn't just happen that you can go on a microphone and you can talk and you can talk the game you can bring excitement a bit of humour you know you can create a bit of debate with something that you'll say, knowing when to create debate, when not. That just doesn't just happen. You know, that, that takes a lot of time and experience and also being skilled and trained. You know, it's like being a broadcaster for me, you need your, your coach. You know, in business, you need a coach. I have lots of very successful business friends that I use. You know, I don't know the answers. I, I know very few answers, to be honest, but I, I'll, I'll have a number on my phone that will know the answer to any any kind of conundrum that I have. There'll always be someone that I can ring to say, by the way, uh, this is happening. Do you have any any ounce of information that could help me? And don't be scared to ask questions. Don't be scared to you know, accept that you don't know everything. Delegation has been the greatest skill of my life. I delegate pretty much everything. <laughs> But people seem to give me the credit for a lot of it, but I, I'm just very, very good at delegation. It's usually when we're in the commentary box and he delegates me to go and get him coffees or a bacon <laughs> sandwich or, some, or something like that. He knows Absolutely. that I'll go, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll go and get you one, Michael. A couple more before we, uh, we, and we're so grateful that you've given your time, and this is longer than uh, I expected, but glad of it. Your next opportunities, or are you always on the lookout into in business? What your next investments might be, or your next project? No, I mean, I I, I created. I mean, the drinks was just a an instinctive creation. I, I got a sense about three years ago. I was buying lots of properties when I was younger, so I bought lots and lots, must have, oh, 15, 18, But then I sold them all in around two, eight, nine. And I got a sense three years ago that I, I, I wanted to go back in. So I've created a property company. So the last three, I've just been buying. And about, I'm not loaded, but I'm fortunate enough to have a few quid to be able to go and create a portfolio. And the yeah. reason I've done that is, is that I just think there's an opportunity here in the UK that you, you look around the country and there's, there's too many properties out there in decent populated areas with academy standard schools, great uh, transport links. The value is just too low. You know, I, I, I picked up quite a few and 
you know it's more more for the family that it's a, it's a business that we we can create you know if need be uh, opportunities for the kids to to go and I know my, my lad is he, he loves his cricket he'd love to be a cricketer but he also likes property he likes the aspects of what property is and developing and you know the 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 element of, of rentals and and the cash flow from day one positive all that kind of stuff that you look for in your properties when you, when you're buying as an investment uh, he, he seems very interested in that so um we've created that which is is interesting i mean I'll, I'll be honest with some of the parts of the country where i've bought properties i wouldn't be visiting mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I, I, I don't go there but you know this they're the working they the, the bring out a, a good return and you know that that's again that's not just me uh i i i had a, a, a kind of gut feeling that i should have i should have kept the ones back in the day uh and then i created a a business i've used an expert you know I, i've delegated an expert to give me the best advice which is is always handy just finally and i'm asking this question mainly on behalf of tony morocco because tony's quite the golfer what are you playing off Ooh, tony three uh, i'm a point five you're a point five, so Tony's quite the golfer. But what I want you to do, Michael, is to blow his jealousy quotient out of the water <laughs> by telling him what you've played in and where you've played. And I think about the European tour uh, that you've uh, that you've joined and who you've played with and that sort of thing. This is for my own gratification, oh. so I can see oh. Tony turn a colour of purple <laughs> on the screen and Neil as well, and Neil for that matter, is who are who are keen golfists, but not none of us are at the level of Morocco. No, no, no. I, well, I, I, I thankfully it's gone up to four point four after my atrocious club uh, championship on Saturday. Thirty six old yeah. club champ Saturday. I was. I was leading after 16, but the problem is it was a 36-hole mm. event. <laughs> <laughs> if I could have delegated someone to take my drive on 18, I reckon it would have saved me about six shots because on both rounds I went into the bush. Yeah, look, again, opportunity sport, it brings uh, a fortune of, of chances for the likes of me, and I've been, oh, I've been so lucky to play the Dunnell Lynx, uh, went with Pro-Am. Portuguese pro am been to Augusta no. three times. It, it, it's uh, I, I haven't played Augusta, so Tony, if you know anyone that can get me on Augusta, yeah, I'll delegate someone to come with me. Um, yeah, w- again, it's some of the courses. It's given me an opportunity to join Royal Portrush. I'm pretty sure I, I wouldn't have got my Royal Portrush membership without being the ex England cricket <laughs> captain. So it's, <laughs> it's it's about using it wisely and uh, and. Uh, not to an extent that you're ringing everyone up to say, do you remember me? But uh, when opportunities are created in golf, uh, I pretty much always try and grab it. No, that's awesome. So, yes, and Andrews, Carnoustie and Kingsbarns are the ones in the Dunhill links, aren't they? Yeah. That you've, yeah. That you've mm. played. Yeah, but it's, it's a bit worryingly, my invite hasn't arrived this year. So um, <laughs> if anyone from Dunhill's listening to this podcast... Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I would actually love an email if it's possible. <laughs> well, look, it's been joyous having you on. Thank you so much. I look forward to obviously seeing you around the traps in there in the commentary box as well, because it is fabulous from my perspective. Uh, we, I love working with you, as you know, and, and, and our relationship. But for the sake of the Virtual Manager podcast on the How Did We Get Here podcast, it's been joyous having you on. Thank you so much for your time. And, and uh, it's been great. Cheers, guys.
How Did We Get Here podcast with Anil Patel, Neil Fillingham and Tony Morocco was hosted by Charles Dagnall. This podcast is property of Virtual Manager, produced and edited by Daggers Media Limited.